Dog Notebook Podcast, a podcast featuring the stories, trips afield, and legacies that are left following great gun dogs and classy bird dogs. I'd like to thank my sponsor, the Pride Dog Food, for their excellence in performance dog nutrition and Orvis for allowing me the written platform for my outdoor writing. I'd also like to thank the other friends and contributors that make this gun dog community such a great thing. Thanks for listening. This is the next episode of the Gun Dog Notebook, hosted by Darrell Smith. to the Gun Dog Notebook podcast and you know this Darrell Smith of course you know all of that stuff you heard it a second ago but this one right here is a special episode to me it's a very 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 special episode to me um I am going to coin this one my greatest episode because no shade to anybody else um this episode is one featuring uh, Mr. Neil Jr., whose photo I kept in my gun dog notebook in the beginning. I mean, like the very beginning. I took it out of a gardening gun article. Um, and that's the photo, that article, that's actually the article, the writing um, that got me into bird dogs. Like that confirmed it for me. So. For me, just personally, this one is my greatest episode. I'm pretty sure y'all get it. So, um, I'm just going to say just in advance, excuse the, please excuse the, uh, I guess the crassness, sometimes the, the, uh, the informality, uh, mm, I recorded this episode because I wanted to document my culture, honestly. African-American folks and it's a new endeavor for me African-American folk you know I guess exploring and uh, looking back at my history and forming a history and a legacy and, and communicating with people of my culture that do the bird dog thing and I just really hope you guys find it interesting or uh you know, you, you also take something from it. I mean, I want y'all to get it, but I also want to just really kind of let this one be as, as, as free as a bird will fly. So outside of that, man, what I started with and what y'all are about to hear is, uh, me and my wife, uh, Ashley, driving down to Thomasville in a conversation that got sparked up. We were listening to the Project Upland uh, one-year anniversary podcast. And uh, we, you know, Ashley and I, we talk about all kinds of bird dogs and hunting and stuff like that. She, you know, she, she'll hold a conversation with me. I ain't too bad on her. And... Uh, the a, a certain conversation about uh Anthony Farrow uh fetching feather of uh, fetching feathers uh I'm really enjoying his stuff on Instagram too but there was a controversy where 
I, I guess I guess maybe folks thought the shot wasn't real or something. It wasn't a real wild bird. But anywho, I mean, y'all will listen to it. But the whole point of this particular episode is, is I guess, to tell a story. You know, and show the relationship that myself my and my wife have who got me into this as far as like really told me to do something with it and make the most out of, of, you know, running my dog, which led me here, but also to kind of understand and explore histories that, you know, I'm making, I may have in the past and, you know, just little stuff like that. So, and I guess the last part is to honor my dog. I think that that is they're all equally important to me honor my family honor my dog create histories all kinds of stuff like that man like that's what it is that I'm trying to do with this podcast so and I'm not even sure I haven't checked to see how long this podcast has been going I just kind of been giving you guys what my experience has been with bird dogs so if it's a year over a year for us to you know, if it's not great, but if it is, Merry Christmas. Anywho, uh, we went down to Thomasville, guys, and I just really want y'all to share that same experience and some significant moments that I had and just thought. So I, I just warn you now, I'm probably going to kind of open up on this particular episode. Um, not sure if you let my kids listen to my podcast, but listen to this one first before you let the kiddos go with this one. Okay. Um, it's not terrible, but it is just something that's near and dear to my heart. And it really means a lot to explore African-American history in the uh, bird dog culture dog handling culture, field trial, uh, plantation culture. I mean, I'm from Georgia, so I mean, I think y'all get it, man. All right. I hope y'all enjoy this particular episode. Um, hit me up. If y'all like this one, let me know what, you know, on Instagram, shoot me a comment or something like that under this episode cover. If y'all like this one, let me know what you think for real, for real. All right. Now go. You said you to start over. You were saying basically what we were talking about is the fact that going upland hunting and stuff like that is much more about the journey and it's not as important. We're listening to Project Upland uh, one year anniversary podcast and AJ, Chet, Nick, and all of y'all. Yeah, man, like very good podcast. We ain't even done with it, but you inspired a conversation. Right. So we are on the road to Thomasville, Georgia. But anywho, my wife was talking about her uh, perspective, not being shooter, but still being out there and doing the legwork with me. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I just wanted to preface that, but go ahead. No, no, AJ, you said something uh, in, the, in, in the 
anniversary podcast that really triggered um, a single thought for me. And she said, the story is not incidental to the hunting. The hunting is incidental to the story. And I really identify with that quote because uh, Darrell being my husband, you know, we met with 12 and um, he really is my best friend. So hunting is not necessarily something I am passionate about but because he's passionate about it. I support him and he supports what I'm passionate about. And I understand um, that particular quote I just said because people often ask me why I go hunting with my husband. And the thing is, the the memories we make are not incidental to the hunting. The hunting is incidental to the memories that we get to make. You know, as a couple, one day we see children, we talk to them about the memories we're making. So I was telling him, it's, um, I think I have an interesting perspective um, because I don't hunt, I don't shoot. But I go along for the ride because, you know, I got a crush on this guy. So, you know, I'm there, packing the truck, and I'm there on the early morning. I'm hiking through everything. And I often remind him, what was the story that we talked about specifically? Um, uh, you're talking about with doves and stuff like that, just going out right before we got on to this one? Right. I was just a... I was trying to bring it back to what we were talking about as far as um, stuff. There was like a shot in the movie or something. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So, yeah, uh, to the list podcast listeners, but, you know, kind of directly, I guess, speaking to the Project Upland guys as far as, you know, and, and engaging in the dialogue that y'all are having, uh, about whether or not Anthony Farrow, Veteran Feathers, uh, whether or not that chucker shot was placed. And, you know, for me, and I'm, I'm quite passionate about everything, and, like, I, I get kind of fired up about stuff and so on and so forth, but I'm kind of in my head listening to you guys, you know, I guess, talk about the controversy behind... Um, Anthony Farrow shot and whether or not that bird was placed and for anybody that really thought that that chucker was placed like bruh honestly like who are you to say that like you know what I'm saying like it, it just just the, the logic of why would I walk around Hell's Canyon okay a freaking desert why would I walk around Hell's Canyon with a, 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 a bag or, or a box full of pen-raised chuckers? Why would, it, like, that's not it. And, it. and if you really understand what Project Upland is doing, it's very distinct on, okay, this is a dog train field, these are planet birds, and then it's, and, and you can see that the Project Upland guys really are putting their feet on the ground and doing the hard work. So it, it's like, what makes anybody think that we that y'all that y'all go out and literally plant a bird just to get a good shot? And then the shot was kind of like when I was looking at the film, it 
it was something a little off about it. And, and to AJ's point, if it was planted, the shot would look better. And that's no critique on the photographer. That's just knowing the nature of trying to film something or photograph something while you're out chasing wild birds, which is a very hard thing to do. Hi, I will say, as a person, as a not, I'm a spouse photographer. I photographed and we found their birds very quickly. So just to wrap it back around to how this, con- this conversation began, I'm, I'm telling Darrell that I think I'm on this line of, of seeing it firsthand but not participating in the actual shooting. And I think people who ask questions like that um, haven't done it to understand what goes into it. And I think that they have um, a limited view and a limited perspective and a limited appreciation for it. It's not about the kills, it's about the, it's about the memories, it's about the story. And um, at the end of the day, whatever this conversation is around the shot at the end of the day, what it is, is a, it's a fantastic story, which goes back to your, your quote, AJ. That, that's just what it is. You all have a fantastic story. So, um, you know, I, I just think I just try to to remind anyone whenever you are whatever you're discussing with someone else does is that you don't always have all the facts and that might be the lawyer and you can't really come to a full conclusion unless you have all the facts. So anyway, we are really enjoying your podcast, AJ. It sparked a very um, fun conversation between Darrell and I and Darrell and Kim we head down to South Georgia right now to have fun and have an adventure. So. Yes, yes. So I guess this is a kind of an impromptu thing. Yeah, I didn't know we were recording today. I did not. Well, we, no, I didn't realize we were going to be recording on the road, I guess. Kind of it just kind of happened. Not a conversation. It felt like it was a good thing to, to have on. Um, and so what we're doing, just to give more uh, insight, and uh, our fingers are crossed because we are going down to meet Neil Jr., who is the gentleman in the photo that inspired me to even get into hunting over bird dogs, bird dogs and uh, gun dogs and, you know, getting into that whole thing. So Neil Jr. Uh, retired from Sincola Plantation, uh, I want to say it was this year. We'll get more to facts on it in, in the concrete interview. But um, And so he was gracious enough to allow us some, you know, some time to come down there and look at, you know, look at what he does and check out, you know, English pointers, you know, that's been a biggest thing. Uh, my, my biggest dilemma is getting an English pointer or, or a German short hair. And I, I get a chance to see, you know, his dogs and, and really just, I don't know, like for most folks, it's, it's like in a weird way, like meeting like Michael Jordan or something like that, you know, like, yeah, like you go down. Yeah, I've never met the guy before, I, but he's nice. I mean, he's he a Georgia boy. Like, I mean, he just is. He's just like, look, hey, how are you? What you do? That's cool. We got the same interests. Come on down. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. That's that's very much so 
it's the up, upland hunting culture, which I, I can say that I've experienced that with a, with everybody that I've spoke to, but right. And but you know, specifically, this guy's much older, didn't have to afford me any of the time, like at all. But the goal is to kind of elaborate. Um, I'm trying to write a little bit more um, and highlight a little bit more. Um, if you guys haven't picked up on on African Americans in the uh, upland bird hunting uh, community and, and the culture of it, and how historically we've just we've been here for a while now. Um, my wife, the cool thing about it, and I. I I probably mentioned this quite a few times. Uh, that's a dub line. It's kind of cool. Um, you guys, whenever we're in a car and we're driving, whatever bird comes across the sky, please just tell me what it is. It's a dollar. And whatever you have to tell me what the bird is. Give me a surprise. I learned it as I go. Right. Right. <laughs> but, um... It is very true. It's weird. You gotta know what's flying, man. Like you gotta know what's flying, so you don't waste no shotgun shell. Right. This is like. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, your grandfather is from Camilla. I mean, your whole family, but your grandfather is from Camilla, Georgia, and Camilla and your dad and. All his brothers and sisters, they're all from Camilla. Yeah, that side of the family. Um, Camilla is located in what would be considered the Red Hills. Um, it's Camilla, Thomasville. Uh, really? Yeah. The Red Hills. Oh, the Red Hills of Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, why did you miss that moment? That was a slow moment. Okay, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yes, you are a Red Hills descendant. Yes, you are a Red South, so you got bird dogs and bird hunting in your blood. Look at you, and your granddaddy used to hunt quail. He told me that. So you want to know what's really cool? Before we started dating, I didn't even know my grandfather had the hunting, and then you came around, and now I, because of your passion and because of the stories that you're building, you have brought out this side of my grandfather that I never. Appreciate it. There you go. Words from my wife. 
Ashley Smith now. Yes. Also, I saw a, a couple comments on the gun back up and say, we thought you guys were already married since we were doing a look inside the trust with my husband. So, no, we got married last week, October 4th, 2018. We have been engaged. We were engaged um, since June of 2017. And um, Jarell began calling his wife the moment <laughs> yeah. after he got off of one knee and put a ring on my finger. So I think um, people also are like, pretty interesting conversation and that's just kind of one of the many conversations that uh Ashley and I have just going down and you know a lot of the times we we kind of get you know really into it as far as just the the uh insights and stuff that we learn from a lot of upland hunting podcasts and you know of course like we said she's not a shooter but she is someone that you know is inspired by a lot of the same sentiments as I am as far as being in the woods. So, um, thanks for, you know, kind of listening to that. And, and, uh, so up next, what it is, we actually got to Thomasville and, uh, met Neil Jr. And I mean, man, we hit the ground running. Uh, it's almost like I've, I've known him my whole life. Seriously. I mean, he's a great guy. Um, the old head you know and as much respect to that and this is this is the part of the podcast that you know this is what i've been waiting on for a while this is the man that i've stayed motivated you know by as far as his photos and just what it is that i i aspired to be like so you know this is this is this is the i guess the main course if you want to call it that all right Okay, guys, guys, I am in the room, in the house of, with the, what I call, well, I like to call you now, the Michael Jordan of bird dogs. <laughs> you the Michael Jordan, for me, I mean, yeah. I've, I've had your picture from the Gardening Gun article for two and a half, three something years now, and 
I know you. I know how to find you. I called up the Sincola, and the gentleman up there gave me your number. And I, I I rolled a dice, and now you invited me to your house, showed me your dogs. Um, so first of all, Mr. Mr. Neil Jr., mm-hmm. um, it's a pleasure, and thank you. I just I, I, I just want to start with that. <laughs> and look, we did already been through a whole show's worth of information anyway, so I hate to ask you to say it all again, man. But you know, tell me about how you got started. I mean, from the beginning. Okay, as a kid. Uh huh. We um, went to school during the day, worked at the, in the evening, walking dogs. Yeah. That was um, Billy Taylor. Okay. He let us uh, walk the dog until they start pointing. Mm-hmm. And then once the pointing, we tell him, he'd take them over and give us some more young dogs. Yeah. And on weekends, he was, it was myself, my brother, uh, William, which is dead, and Steve was his son. We rotated. Yeah. Then to take out on hunts, and we scouted and stuff like that. He taught us how to do all of that. Yeah. And then as he moved on, I guess back, I was said back in 72, uh, I got out of school, I started working for Wallace Stevens. So I started off as a scout, but I wanted more. Yeah. So uh, I had friends like uh, Leroy Clayton, Malachi Caleb, Albert, uh, what the hell was that? Cannon. Mm-hmm. They would take weekends. Rotate. Yeah. Uh, I'd go to each one of um, a house or place, and they would make me work bird dogs. That was every weekend, Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah. And when I thought I had it, I'm sitting up on this horse, standing on the hill, trying to do their thing. Yeah. Malachi said, no, you ain't there yet. <laughs> get that and <laughs> get that dog. Yeah. So it worked on and on, and uh, so I... I got to enjoy it. Uh-huh. And then Wallace, when he retired, he told, went to the office, he told himself, y'all looking for a dog, man. You don't have to look any for So you got the best dog, man, down to the kennel. So he would say, my job, he worked dog, he ready to go. So Warren was over the plantation, he was one of the owners. He come down and asked me would I take the job. And I told him that, I wasn't where I wanted to be, but if he gave me the opportunity, mm. I would try. Right. And man, it hit this club. Yeah. We went on then. Yeah. And I become where I could tra- train a dog, almost doing things but talk. Wow. See, that's, but that's where I want to get to, man. And we were saying earlier, uh, what you say the best, the best hunting is the quiet hunts a good quiet hunt yeah you break a dog the hound from your horse yeah the horse turn his head the horse move that way yeah the dog move that way so you, you're gonna have a certain dog that will do that yeah there's a certain dog that you're gonna have to hoop for yeah but you did big running a lot of us we brought dogs brought dogs in from the open shooting dog and all these mm-hmm. and to take a man and the hammer right so we went on with that and i've done 48 years for sincola and most of that was training and now since i retired it's a dying art for mm-hmm. our black people mm-hmm. so i'm training some of the young black guys mm-hmm. 
to learn how to work a bird dog. Mm -hmm. Not play with one, work one. Work one, yep. yep. And the art to that, you're almost gonna have to live that dog. Yeah. Because a lot of time I find not breaking a bird dog, you break them in one habit, you catch another one on you. Uh huh. I have brought my work home at night. Yeah. I jumped on a ride one night whooping her for a bird dog. <laughs> <laughs> but I quit. Look. That was Real out. quick. <laughs> <laughs> look. I said I put, uh, put a little laugh in now. Yeah. But it's the truth. Hey, look. I will say, with wives in the room, yes, the wife yes. will get you straight like we get the dog oh, straight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll quickly find out that you didn't bring your job home with you. Hey, right. So, from that, I learned my lesson. I moved on. Yeah. But they get you straight. They get they, you right. They get you right. So, when we talking about... Uh, just bird dog history and, and having black folks in it, it and and I want to go I mean I want to really get down to the nitty gritty mm -hmm. you know because you told me a lot of stuff out there too you know black folks on the plantation back in the our old 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 slave days mm -hmm. we was the one breaking dogs we was the ones training dogs massing them and his friends and stuff like that and nobody talks about that history no more well no uh, right now it's a dying history because Right now, uh, blacks have stopped doing it and whites are taking it over. Yeah, and yeah. And I had a grandfather, Will Anderson. Mm -hmm. He was one of the best trainers around here. And I, I got to work with him a couple of years before he died. Mm -hmm. Then I had an uncle, Will, named Will, mm -hmm. Rudolph. Uncle and Rudolph. He, uncle Rudolph. And he was a super bird dog yeah. trainer. And, I, you know, I come from a background of people that love the art of training dogs. Mm -hmm. And I guess I can say he caught on because I love it, too. Yeah. Well, you Even got though to. I retired, I'm yeah. still in it. Right. And I'm, I'm teaching those who want to be taught. Mm -hmm. You can't teach everybody. Mm -hmm. You got to first, I've already learned you got to be teachable in order to teach. Yes, sir. Then you got to be a person that want to do it. Right. Because the bird dog, I'll tell you, they'll give you a headache. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> some morning you wake up, you say, ah, I ain't going today. Yeah. But you got to be true to the art in order to break them. Mm-hmm. You got to keep doing the same stuff over and over and over. Right. It, well, you got to be obsessed with it. Oh, yeah. You got to uh, eat, sleep. You got to drink it. Um, but what I do like about it, though, and what I saw you doing when you uh, brought your you, three of the seven uh, pointer, English pointers you got out there, you... You're not necessarily going by the book. You learning these dogs. You done developed your your own way of, of training them, and you can tell like you know you know what I'm saying you're not flipping through no pages. And them dogs, they listen to you. They really listen to you. Well, the first thing I find out, you got to learn your dog. Mm -hmm. If you don't learn that dog, you'll never break it. Yeah. Because the dog people call dog dumb. But those are the most intelligent animal that I know. Exactly. Because I've dealt with them for 48 years. Right. And you got to watch that dog from the time you start working. Now, I take a puppy 
I like to uh, do my own breeding and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I take a puppy at eight weeks old. I take a feather and I work that puppy on that feather. And you can just about tell how that dog gonna look yeah. when he get grown. Really? On point. Really? A lot of people talk about how early do you start uh, training dog. I like to put hand on before the eyes open. Wow. I see. I didn't even know to, to start. I mean, that early. Yeah. At, when my pups are born, always I ball or feed them. Yeah. I give them. A lot of people don't know this, but instant uh, series and stuff. Really. That's where I start my pups off. You get. I get goat milk. Yeah. And mix it. Mm -hmm. And when their eyes open, they looking at me. They looking at mama. Which one of us? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And mama telling you, look at him. <laughs> and that way, let that dog, a lot of people don't like for the dog to jump up on them. Love that dog. Mm -hmm. Love that pup. I take them out to the kennel as soon as they're able to walk good. I walk with them. Yeah. Let them follow me. They, they don't know what they're doing. They jump and all that. But that is part of your training. Mm -hmm. That's what I call hands-on. Mm -hmm. When that dog get old enough where I'm going to start really working him a little bit, yeah, he's probably six months old, six to eight months old, I introduce that dog to birds. Yeah. I don't just let him chase. Right. We usually have, me and uh, Abbott, we had a uh, fence sawed up on his property where he had probably 80 to 90 Pigeon. Mm -hmm. We'll sit out there in the yard and turn six, seven of them, just toss them at them. Yeah. And uh, the pigeon will fly off, they'll run behind me. But dog find out that he can't catch them. He gonna stop. He gonna stop and start pointing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. Well, yeah. I mean, but, and, and when you go, I promise you, you know, for the people that do listen to my podcast, when you walk out there to them kennels, mm -hmm. every last one of them dogs, they either, like you said, they licking their lips at you. Yeah. I saw that, and you pointed it out. Or um, you have one, especially one of them dogs, that, that female you had, heel broke. She wasn't going too much further away from you, but that, that engine was moving. That, that yeah. All of them dogs, was with that motor was moving forward. Well, she wanted the older one, she a little bit further along than yeah. the rest of them. Yeah. Now, the reason I don't like to turn my dog loose over here, even though it's my land, but I'm uh, surrounded by plantations. Right. And if that dog leave off here and I get a, get away from me, yeah. nine times out of ten, I won't get that dog back. What? Yeah. And they know it's your dog. If it's near a dog, it's a good dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, you said that too. Um, you said that too. You you were saying that you know you can get good genetics and all kinds of stuff like that. But you the one make that makes a uh, you make good dogs. You oh, make yeah. great dogs. You know the genetics is there. Yeah. But you got to be able to put all this together. Yeah. I've had people that give me dogs and they'll turn around and say, Well, Neil, I gave you the best dog. I said, No, no. Neil made the best dog. Yeah. Because if I'm going to work a dog, I'm going to make this dog the best it can be. Mm -hmm. And he'll give me joy. I've done, done all I've done to get this dog to point. Yeah. And I ride up on this dog standing up on a hill somewhere. 
and look like a statue not moving. Yeah. Man, let me tell you something. That's the best feeling of any man. It's almost close to you hugging, you hugging your wife. Right. <laughs> oh, we go. We taking stabs in here. Wives in the room. Wives in the room. Hey, that means that we're not holding nothing back. <laughs> Look, I'm leaving. Uh, look, honest, huh? I, I'm here, and we drive four hours down here not to have a good time. Man. Oh yeah, okay. we drive four hours not to have a good time, That's right. man. Uh, <laughs> so, when you were scouting as a kid, how did you, you know, because it, it, it's a process, and I mm-hmm. think you went through that process. I mean, every inch of the way, you know, right. every everything that I think somebody that wants to get into bird dogs and, and you down here in Red Hills, you in Thomasville, it, for people like me from Atlanta, this is what folks dream about. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. You went through the entire process. So let's talk about even scouting. What was that like? Because you had to learn quail. You had to learn the dogs. How, how, how did you learn scouting and all the habits? Well, like I said, at first, as a young person, Billy Taylor started off teaching us mm-hmm. how to watch a dog. Mm-hmm. The number one process on scouting a dog is knowing your dog and knowing its pattern. Mm-hmm. You got some dog that runs straight ahead. You got some dog that'll break to the left to get behind you, mm-hmm. uh, to the right. So you stay on top of that dog. Right. You you riding your horse. I keep my eye on that dog. That dog go to the left side. I'm falling to the left. Right. I'm watching it. Right. If I see that dog breaking back, I get over there and turn it. Right. Put him back to the front. If I have to run him down, then I go through a little teaching with him. Right. And then I take him back to the front. The next time I see him going back there and I break the horse over there. He's going to be glad to get to the front before I get to him. Oh, yeah. So that's the way I've done. And I just enjoyed the job yeah. for one thing. Man. And every dog that we had, Wallace was a trainer, but he went through my hand first. Yeah. I, I had two at the time. I go to the kennel. Uh-huh. I take him. I walk him. And to walk that dog, that dog, once you get him out there, for instance, like you seen me walking my dog. Mm. You say, every once in a while you see when that dog broke to the left, yeah. yeah. You ain't got to yell at him. Get to the front. Keep him in front of you. And that's, what I, that's how I started off Yeah. as a scout. Wow. And I loved to ride horses. Yeah. I would go through the woods just as fast as a horse would carry me. What? I was young and foolish. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't take but two gopher holes. Slowed me down just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I went on a gopher hole with one horse. I had one horse named Smokey. I went on a gopher hole with him, and I got a little scar on my face where he went in, come up. I was still right. I didn't yeah. go off. And he went back in again. When he went in the second time, he flipped. And I came out for him. And when I went to stand up, he come up, and he hit me in the front of him. Uh, uh, cheap. Wow. So that slowed me down a little bit. A little bit. Then I had another horse named Chancellor. Mm-hmm. That horse would get through. He would bring Tia down and then shoot him back behind the ear. What? And like I said, I was young and foolish. I would count him a loose. Yeah. And I ran in a wet place with him. And he flipped and come across my back and landed on my back. Oh. But I was blessed that it was wet. 
And when I went down, the horse came across, and I went down, sank a little bit. Yeah. I got back up and got on him again. They, <laughs> they come run up near you, all right. What about my horse? I thought he had broke a leg or something. <laughs> so that slowed me down. Yeah. So as you get older, you get more wise. Of course. And of course. I, I got a lot wiser before I killed myself. <laughs> Look, you talking to somebody that broke his own jaw. Okay. So. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. So. That's the way I started off as a scout, and I enjoyed it. Then I got the... One more and more with the dog, do mm-hmm. more and more. And Wallace was a person, he seen I wanted it, he didn't bother me. Yeah. He even gave me, he tell, well, Junior, I had a dog named Skeeter. This is last chance. If you can't break him, we're going to put him to sleep. Yeah. My first question was, am I going to be the one to work him the way I want to? Mm-hmm. He said, yeah. See, I already had throats. Right. That dog was getting away from him. He said, yeah. I went time bought me a choke collar, a 50-foot rope. Yeah. Every time he would run off, I would catch him, put that rope on him, I would drag him back to where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That dog learned real quick. Are you getting too rough on him? Ah! I said, it's my dog to break, remember? Right. After about three weeks, that dog stayed in front. Dude, that dog learned real quick. Real quick. Real quick. And, and and it don't take much. It don't take. You got, my motto is you got to be smarter than the dog that you break. Yeah. That every time. Yeah. Because if you ain't, the dog can make a fool out you over and over again. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try you real early, oh, too. Yes. They're going to try you even when you break one of your oh, yeah. oh, yeah. But you got the knowledge. You put enough fear in his heart. You don't want to have him where you be scared of him. Right. Put enough fear in his heart. You can handle him any day of the week, right. at any time of the day. He know your voice. Uh-huh. I've had uh, one of the owners that I was working for. I set two dogs out there in front of my horse every time before as I chain braces. Mm-hmm. I set the two dogs out there. I get on my horse. I turn around. My scout help the people on their horse. I'm watching these two dogs. Yeah. When I get ready, those, those dogs are not going to move till I hit my whistle. So one told me to ask me one day, said, let me see if I can blow them off. Go ahead. Yeah. He blowed, he blowed, he blowed. Those dogs looking over their shoulder at me. Yeah. Now Waiting you, on you. Yeah. Now you got enough. He said, I can't blow them off. Blow. And away. Right. The boy said, dust come everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> But that's one of the way I train all of my dogs. Woe broke, woe mean woe. Yeah. If you can't stop when I tell you woe, you in trouble. And that's the way I always done. I mean, that's the way you got to. And even outside, like you got the whole setup. You got mm-hmm. a whole set. You got the you got, and then you made your own woe post, right? Right. The woe uh, post. You got the the yeah. Uh, the bench that's off the ground. Yeah, got the uh, bench. And I guarantee you, you won't find another around town like that. No, nah, I ain't seen nothing like that before. That was designed by Neil. Yeah. <laughs> designed by Neil. That's right. Well, you need you need to copyright that or something like that. Made a design. Matter of fact, you need to stamp that on your dogs. Okay. Designed by Neil. Okay. Um, no, I, I was really impressed. So you have... 
you got the the, the pigeon cage. Mm-hmm. You got your quails over here, mm-hmm. and then you got this long pole that you tie the pigeons to, so they can't go nowhere. Yeah, that's a good thing with working your young dogs. Mm-hmm. I work by myself ninety percent of the time. Yeah. So I do a spring on that pole, pigeon pole. And I set that pigeon out there. Yeah. My main objective for that pigeon when I bring that dog up there is to fly. Yeah. And when that uh, bird fly, the young dog start to lunging at it. Mm-hmm. The two things, one thing you never want a dog to do, you never want him to catch the bird. Mm-hmm. If he get where he start catching bird, then he one step ahead gonna, of him. He ain't gonna point no more. He ain't gonna point. He want to chase. Mm-hmm. So that one of even with a pup that's eight weeks old I work them off a reeling rod and a feather mm-hmm. never let that pup catch that mm-hmm. let him run it chase it and when he get tired he'll stack up right then you if you can get to him it don't matter what you do at all if I get to him I like to rub him up style him up a little bit right and that goes on through the whole process yeah now and, and that's but again that goes back down to the genetics if you get to him um, you know, you you can have that style, but and I've heard this a few times, man. It's the birds that break the dog. As as far as getting them to point and then holding that point, because after a while, and then that's when you come in. And I saw you doing it out there where that dog start creeping a bit, mm-hmm. picking back up, place them down. And then, I mean, you didn't even let that dog creep a half an inch. No, you don't. No, I mean there was. There was no, 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 no issue. Now, what you also told me, and I, I didn't know this, and I had been, you know, beforehand, and I won't do it anymore, but you were uh, putting on them gloves. Right. Human right. scent on the bird. Right. A lot, you got some dog that won't punt a pigeon, period. Mm-hmm. Then you got some dog with the human scent on it, he won't punt it. Mm-hmm. Because he's smelling you instead of the bird. So I was taught at a young age, um, Alba Cannon taught me to always keep some gloves in your pocket. Mm-hmm. When you're handling your birds, put your gloves on. Yeah. Now, here's several ways we do a plant bird. Now, when you got dog chasing and stuff, we uh, shake him up a little bit. You put his head on his wing, mm-hmm. pull his leg straight out, and land in your cover on his head. Really? That bird will stay there until you bring that dog up there. Really? Right. And when you bring that dog up there, he point. Now you got this dog far enough along, now you point and shoot over. Okay. So he points, you walk out there, you take your feet, and just tap that bird, the bird fly off. Take off. Take off. Because you, you see so many folks spinning the head and mm-hmm. stuff like that. and I, I see that, but I, I haven't... Tuck the head in and, and straighten the legs. I you can do that. you can do a pigeon or a quail yeah. the same way. Yeah. That quail, I like to shake him a little bit. Yeah. Get him a little drunk. Yeah. Take that head and fold it under the wing. Pull the wing down and pull both feet straight out. Yeah. And then lay it in the cover where you want to. Man. And that bird, sometimes you can work two dogs or three dogs if you just let them run up that point and moving them along. Right. And you get ready to walk up there and they'll take your toe and tap him. And when you tap and they give him a chance to get their head up and be gone. And take on off. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I said, I, I see that in 
Now, do you, when you have a bird on the that big pole that you got with mm -hmm. the string, do you do the same thing? No. Okay, that one you just kind of that bird. Is, that bird is loose, walking around. Okay. I All right. This for a young dog. Okay. I bring a young dog in, and some on we appoint. Mm -hmm. Then you just tell him whoa, and then if he want to chase. You let him chase. Mm -hmm. That getting him, introducing him to the bird. Right. But once you start training that dog, then that's when you start reinforcing whoa. Mm -hmm. And to me, <clears throat> whoa mean whoa. I ain't gonna tell that dog whoa and he running out you somewhere and not listening. Right. Now you don't I, say it till you till he do it. The, number one, you make sure he know what you're talking about. Yeah. You done taught him whoa. Once you done taught him. Then you can force some on him when he don't walk. Yeah. But he got to know what you what what he what you mean. Right. That's number one. And you don't take him off that post till he till he figure it out. No, figure it out. When I'm playing with him, I let him play. Mm -hmm. And once I knowing my dog, once I know he ready to move on, then I start to doing different stuff with him. Even though some of it may be for breaking. Yeah. Uh, every dog ain't gonna stop when you holler whoa. Yeah. That's why I got that rope out there. Uh-huh. I can walk out there, I'm a one-man unit. I can walk out there in front of that dog, he take off. I pull that rope, it take him off the ground. Dog don't like to be took off of his level. Mm -hmm. And once you pull the rope, it'll pick him up and put it right back. Yeah. The number one thing is always put that dog back. Well, you gave him the command. Yeah. And once you get him to doing that, you're well on your way. Right. And and you you know when you're there, because like you, you said this again, I'm just remembering everything you yeah. told me. They get to licking his lips. He, once he lip, lick his lip, yeah. you can go on to something else. Okay. Okay. You But you cannot teach a dog everything at one time. Yeah. He's like a child. You're going to have to teach him one thing at a time. Yeah. And knowing your dog, when you, you watch this dog, once he get what he knows this, he'll give you the signal. Right. Now, I don't know how other people do it, but that's that's me. I Look, I... I and I have, re I have reduced some good dogs. Right. Uh, and, quite a few of them. And yep. now, I remember, I didn't know that you can move on once the dog get to licking his lips, but I do know once the dog is licking his lips, as, as far as how I do it, I know at least he's listening to me. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how I know, because the, the attention is there. Um... You know, and I think it's just interesting that so much of history is just not documented for us. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is that I'm trying to do here. Honestly, so much of, of, of African-American history is not documented, though we have so much of an influence in there. Um, and down here in Georgia, man, like you see... You see English pointers everywhere, as far as what we do. Mm -hmm. Okay, what made you pick? Like, what what makes you like an English pointer? Because I know you get the setter uh, soon. What specifically is it about an English pointer that make you want him? He's a working dog. Okay. That dog will go until he die. Yeah. I've experienced they could be sick, and they still move on. Yeah. And that's a dog with a heart. Yeah. And I want the best dog so I can make the best with him. Right. And if you got to have a good prospect in order to make a dog. Yeah. That's where I am. 
Oh, you're right. I mean, well, when, when folks talk about English pointers, man, just think about the history, right? You got all these other breeds down the line. You got German Shorthairs. You got all of this stuff. What did they breed that dog with? English pointer. English pointer. And to be honest with you, we put a little July hound in that English pointer. Really? To get the stamina. Really? Yes. So why? All right, you got to go down. Tell know. me about that. Tell me about well, it now. I'm, I'm only telling you about this is I heard. Okay. But uh, back in the day, the English pointer didn't have enough rip on him. He didn't have enough to keep him out there. Yeah. So they took the July Hound, which was a going dog, mm -hmm. and they bred him to the English pointer, and that's how we got the stamina on him. Gotcha, gotcha. That's why the the pointer knows so so much better than a lot of other dogs. Well, that that given he stay out there running long. Yeah. Yeah. God, man. The old, old white guy uh, telling me all this stuff. Really? And I have, I didn't never know him to lie. So that was one of the things that he right. told me. I'm a person that, if you talk about bird dog, I sit down and listen. Yeah. That may not even be my conversation, but I get close enough to hear. Right. And then that way, if it's true, I agree with you. Okay. All right. Well, look, I, I'm trying to, I, I'm all smiles over here, but I'm the same way, man. Like, I will, I mean, as you see, I will go however long it, we need to yeah. to talk to the people that know, though. Mm -hmm. You know, talk to the Definitely. special people yeah. that know and love their dogs. Mm -hmm. Is this a, You get a lot of folks out here, man, that they just want the titles, they just want this, but they don't want to do the studying. They don't want to research the right. dog. And they don't want to do the work. Right. A lot of these young pretty guys now call themselves dog men. They buy broke dogs. Mm -hmm. But even though you bought that dog broke, can you keep him broke? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. They can't. That dog, that got that dog. Go ahead. Hello? Okay. So, like I was saying, I mean, you listening to folks talk about dogs and, and, I don't know. I, I see, and going to a lot of these tests, man, you see a lot of folk walk around with their chest out, and I look at folks, I look at their dog to tell what type of trainer they are. Mm -hmm. For me, I look at the tail. Is the dog happy to stand next to you? Right. Is the dog happy to stand next to you? Because once you get too close... The dog, the drop, he got his head down, mm -hmm. he got his tail between his legs. Mm -hmm. Someone has really been on that dog. Right, right. That's not a loving dog. Mm -hmm. He's scared. Mm -hmm. Now, you heard me earlier, now, earlier I said, I put fear mm -hmm. in the heart. But that's too much fear. Yeah. Yeah. You don't put that much in. Well, just like your parents, you fear your parents. Oh yeah. <laughs> they love you to death, they but love I mean, you to death. and I'm glad they done what they done. Mm -hmm. But you know, every dog I brought out to kill happy, happy. Yep. Dragging. That's yep. because I work that dog. I teach him first. Once I teach him, then if he don't do that, when I get on it. Right. So you know that dog talk. You ain't got to get on in that much. Mm -hmm. Little simple stuff. And I always like, I don't wait to correct a dog. If he do it right here, do it now, I correct him right then. Right. If you try to 
take a dog home and correct him. That dog like a child. He don't, he don't, he don't remember. Mm-hmm. What you beating me for? Right. Uh, that night, he's scared of you. Right. So correct them as they do wrong, but do it in a sensible way. Mm-hmm. I never in my life beat down on a dog. Mm-hmm. If you up over that dog and beat down on what you doing? You forcing him down. You, you beating him to the ground. Yep. If you got to use that, I like to pick that dog up, put him on my level, and hit him right in the front show. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of person, I've done it with my children, I do it with my dog. I talk to you when you get in the There you go. I'm letting you know why you do <laughs> <laughs> Once you do that, well, he's a well, I ain't doing that no more. Right. And that's what that's what I deal with. My parents did the same thing to me. I get that they'd be I'd be having a full on conversation I with I used me. to just rather take the whooping. Right. That lip beat. Man, no, I I uh I, I remember that a lot. But again, it's it's when you're doing that out of love and, and you are really trying to learn, you know, what it is that you truly doing. Mm-hmm. Dogs know people, man. Oh yeah, they they know what they know. They're not dumb by a long shot. <laughs> right, right. So and now when we when you talking about horseback too, doesn't that horse kind of figure out the dog too? Because the horse will run down a dog when you need him to if he's too far out. You train your horse like you do your dog. Yeah. I always like to get a young horse. Okay. What's a what age? The last one I bought before I left the place, I was riding that horse. Uh, about 14, 15 months. Okay, okay, okay. And he turned out to be one of the best dog horses. The only thing I wish when I left, he could have come with <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I bought, me and my son bought some older uh-huh. horses. But you got to take the time to ride the horse. So a lot of horses are kick a dog. Really? If a dog run past him, he'll kill it. So you got to teach that horse not to kick that dog. If that dog run under the horse's leg, you don't want him going airborne and you falling off. Right. So you got to teach that dog to, to teach that horse to work with the dog. How did you do that? A lot of riding and time. Okay. okay. I, ride, I like to start mine off riding them. I get to learn my horse first. Then I introduce my horse to my dog. Okay. All right, those, most times I start off with one dog. Mm-hmm. And I like to let them young dogs pull a check cord. And a lot of horses don't like that. Mm-hmm. So as that dog going by, he might spook, jump, then you teach him, and I wear a set of spurs. Right. I nudge him a little bit, let him know that. Now I'm talking no. Right. And once that dog horse get to knowing these dogs, and another thing, I want my horse to grind tie. Yeah. If I run a dog down and step off that horse to go catch that dog, I don't want to look back and that horse going another way. Uh-huh. He need to be right there. Well, that's where I step off. That's what I want him when I get back. Right. And I go out there, me and that dog, we have a little dancing lesson. Yeah. Come back, and I get back on that horse and move on. Mm-hmm. But all of it is teaching. Teaching. Yeah. It's Right. But you, you learning more about yourself too. You learning more about yourself and honestly how to train yourself to train a dog, you know, by going through all of this yeah. stuff. Because and, and that's even why I started my, my gun dog notebook and mm-hmm. stuff like that, because 
what I started noticing was I was writing more about my observations. Mm -hmm. I was writing twice as much about myself and what I did right or wrong than I was, you know, what my dog did. And that's not saying I wasn't recording it or, or documenting it. I just wanted to make sure that my mental spot was, was in line mm-hmm. before I got out there the next day to do the same thing. Well, one thing I learned, uh, like once again, I listened to other people. Wallace Stevens told me, taught me one thing. If you're mad, leave your dog in the kennel. Mm-hmm. It, you can take more out of that dog in five seconds than you can ever get back in it. Yeah. So if you done had a problem at home, go do something there. Leave that dog alone. Because mm-hmm. us as men, we want to find somebody or something to take it out on. Mm-hmm. And that's the wrong thing with that animal. Yeah. Now, I, every hunt I do, I put it on tape. Yeah. When I get back home at night, I go down that tape. I got a book mm-hmm. that every dog, what he pointed, what he done. If that dog I put on that knock, tomorrow I get a chance, mm-hmm. me and him going to have a visit. Right. And I guarantee you, when I sit him back out there the next day, he ain't not no more birds. Mm-mm. Not that day. So that's what I do. That's why I said, dog man job is never done. Right. I would go, I work, I work, I get in sometimes six o'clock. I get back on that table, back here, I got on table, I hit it when y'all come. Yeah. I got some everything. <laughs> but I get down now, I pull my tape recorder out, uh-huh. and I, I do a book, plus I do a hunting book. Yeah. I write down how many birds, how many cubbies were seen. How many cover was shot in? Mm-hmm. How many singers was shot in? Then on my own pad, I have what dog pointed it, mm-hmm. what dog done this. Ooh, you got the stats, man. And, well, I keep it because I like to know which one the best. Yeah. It comes with a field trial attack. Yeah. I'm going down these stats. Now. Yeah. Now, but I mean, but you got you got the numbers to show it though. That's what I'm saying. You got yourself. A, uh, I told you, you Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. <laughs> you got the All Star team out there, man. Well, I hope they All Star. <laughs> they are. They are training, and I'm hoping that I'll make it. Well, you know, and I want to talk about the field trial stuff too, but I, I want to cover. Mm-hmm. What you did at Sinkola Plantation. Also, what are what were all the responsibilities that you have to do? What give me some experiences? Like, talk talk well, a little bit about that. When I uh, started our wildlife management, mm-hmm. I planted the bird feed. I fed the birds. I kept with me and one more chopped in the wood. Then I had one man to help me. When I first started, I had a team mm-hmm. of three. But as the place. The older head moved out, younger head moved in, they couldn't afford to keep as many people. So, like my wagon driver had to go do something else. Right. And my scout had to go do something else. So that only left me with my kiln man. Right. Which, in the end, he become my scout. My scout went to the sawmill. Okay. The plantation, we had sawmills, and um, they produced a lot of lumber. And it was a thing that each person knew what he, each head knew what he had to do. Right. We'll meet in the morning, 
But when I first was head, I, I take my team to the kiln. Everybody know what they had to do during the hunting season, this and that. Uh, if it's something new come up, you may call them during junior, I want you to do this. Then I had to pull them off and go that way. But we worked at a team and Sometimes it was rough. Yeah. Working our own people. Right. But uh, we overcome it. Right. Because, you know, that I wasn't going to be not pushover. Mm-hmm. So, you clearly ain't no pushover. So, <laughs> I, we I saw that when I met you. <laughs> so we went on. But uh, that was our basis. I kept, uh, but we, I had a team that every year we bought at least 80% of this place. Yeah. That was right at, I would say, 3,200 acres. It's usually burning. We, we, we burnt, and uh, I had to manage it like, I may want a circle out there. Mm-hmm. We didn't try to just go through and burn the whole thing. We burnt, my basically the rough wood, mm-hmm. what I like to burn first. So we had kind of a managed, uh, management thing that certain time of year you done this, you done that. But uh, a lot of that fell on me. Mm-hmm. and. I enjoyed doing it. Right. So, and you and you was burning to keep the habitat, the quail habitat right. You kept the quail habitat habitat right. And we also burnt called your neighbor burn. If you don't do enough burning and fire get out, hit mm-hmm. a you got a large area, hit a sweep before you can get it. Right. So we like to burn for the, the quail habitat. We like to not do it for keep dying uh breast fires and stuff like that. Yeah. So we done that every year, and I lost, I liked it to my rough area. You burn them first because they'll get green. Right. So we done all that, and all this was done for quail management. Mm-hmm. And uh, that basically what we done. Then it's come to, uh, training season. We done, you know, went through. Mm-hmm. So you had. January, uh, November the 18th, November, December, January, February, you knew you were hunting. Mm-hmm. So you fed your birds, you trained your dogs when you got opportunity and you hunted. Right. And then you took March, April, May, June, that was burning season. Mm-hmm. Then you got the rest of the month, the rest of the year to do you planted in the wood. I planted so many strips. Mm-hmm. Then we uh, studied. We fed birds every two weeks and stuff like that. And it was a rotate thing that went on and on. The better your quail have uh, surviving stuff. Man, well, I mean, y'all were y'all doing a good job. I mean, because people write all kind of articles and books and everything about that about Thomasville, mm-hmm. like. And it's because of, you know, you guys doing that work. Right. And people don't really see that either. Mm-mm. People don't see the, the background stuff that go in. You know, magazines, they're starting to talk about it now. But most of the time, people just want to look at the picture. They see that 12 o'clock tail and all kinds of stuff like that. And they see the, the bird flying up. But, you know, when you get into, again, the dog work mm-hmm. and you putting your dog on wild birds that habitat has to be taken care of it has to be and them, or them birds are not going to fly them birds are not going to be there well you take uh, two and three year old wild grass mm-hmm. if a cover get down and that you can flush all day yeah I have I had a dog that pointed I beat the bush mm-hmm. beat the bush what happened nothing happened yeah 
tap you on the head, he'll work round and down, go around and around, come back and point in the same place. Yeah. Now, I know wrong. this dog. Yeah. This dog don't lie. You get, I got where I start dragging my feet through that <laughs> right. A bird pop up right now. Right. And we stayed there for 15 minutes. Believe it or not, they didn't get a bird. <laughs> Are you serious? But that, that stuff, yeah. We got we moved by 25 birds out of there, and they got up one and two at a time. Man, but I mean that's good habitat. I mean yeah. they, they feel protected. Yeah. They ain't going nowhere. Right now, when I first started, it was like numbers. I want to see birds dead. Yeah, yeah. But I learned as I got older. All I got to do is point the bird. Yeah. If he shoot him, don't kill him. It ain't my fault. Right. I done my job. <laughs> I can come back next two or three weeks uh-huh. and show somebody else that same cover. Yeah. So it didn't bother me whether you kill a bird or not. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you kill one, we've done our best to mm-hmm. get get the bird up. Right. So And and even when you flush quail, let's say they don't get shot or something like mm-hmm. that, two weeks, three weeks, a year later, mm-hmm. I've heard that you can actually come back to that same location the next month, two months, however long, you likely gonna find birds that come back because they aren't they gonna come they're well, gonna fly bird, away and then come yeah. back to the roost. A bird gonna stay with friends twenty in the be twenty miles okay. away from where they was hashed at. Right. You got people that catch birds sometimes say so we're gonna relocate this bird. Mm-mm. You go five or six miles. That bird coming back. Right. Where he where he was born at. Wow. So um we and you get sometime the old hen uh-huh. and the cop, they most time they'll mate over and over. Right. Now a lot of people say a covey is what they produce but it not. Mm-hmm. That's a brew. A brew brew. Right. A covey is you might have four, five different size birds in that covey. Right. You put a happen sometimes even an old cop bird don't have a hen. He'll go from cover to cover and get him a Just bird. to try and find one. Just get him a couple of birds. All right. That's Mother Nature working now. Right. Those birds have enough bird that an inner chain to breed and not do inner breed, inline breed. What? So So they so it's just so many there. They a brood is what the hen mm-hmm. produce. Right. A cover is what is all the other all birds. All the other birds come together right. and mix up. All right, when breeding season coming, you ain't got sister and brother mate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they done mix, they done entertain in there, right. and they got different birds in there. Okay, okay, okay. Now, all right, so I was reading, uh, I do a lot of reading and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and Robert Whaler, the L.U. Bloodlines mm-hmm. for Pointers. In that book, he was talking about inbreeding and stuff, and I know you breed your own dog mm-hmm. and stuff like that. What? I don't believe in it. Lion breeding? No, no, lion breeding. Yeah. I know they talk about breeding cousins and stuff. Yeah. But we have had an inbreed. Uh-huh. And those dogs are crazy. Really? We have had them. You break them, and you going along hunting, you hear something, they, they turn up the buggy, ripping the two-by-fours off. Just nutcases. Just nutcases. Yeah. I do not believe in inbreeding yeah. at all. Yeah. Well, it's just like people. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's something ain't right, ain't tight. Yeah. You got to loose through. You got some folks that do it, though. You got a lot of people do it. Yeah. You got a lot of people do it. But 
myself. Yeah. No, I don't. It's not. It's not worth it all. It's not. I want two different lines of dog. Mm-hmm. Two of the best. Yeah. I put them together. I made them. Yeah. Now that don't mean you're gonna have the best pups. Right. I have had a dog named Diamond. That was the best bird dog I ever had in my life. Right. He didn't. He lived. Once I broke and I made a hundred over five or six years. Yeah. That joke was that high. And he had a nub tail. But that tail stood as a tall yeah. as any other. And when he pointed, his head was straight up. Yeah. I went to all been with that dog uh, one year. I had ten fines. Three, that dog working. I had ten fines, three bites. They gave me a fifth place honorable mention. Mm-hmm. All of the other people that already come to me and graduate, you know, you you done it, you done it, you right? Beat. When they come for, when they call it out, yeah, I fifth place on them. Why did they do what? And the guy's gonna tell me he seen the dog knock a cover a bird and ran him. I said you couldn't lift that dog up and throw him. On. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, whoa, whoa. Boy, whoa. you talking about some mad people? Yeah. These people from Thomasville, we went to Albany. They said they took it from you. I ran the same dog next year. Yeah. Down here, one in first place with five five. Because they knew what they're looking at. They hit with a bird dog. Right. You may think, but I'm joking. That dog would hit out there, and you would think he had stopped breathing. Breathing. You, you, you wouldn't see nothing move. Yeah. Just like a statue. God, man. See, that's that's what I want. But man. the guy that gave me that dog, he come to me. He was a good friend of mine. Yeah. The white guy. He said, Neil, I will never give you another dog. He said, every time I put down the brothers and stuff, so my owner said, you gave Neil the best dog. <laughs> <laughs> I said, no. I said, you gave me a dog. And Neil made the best Neil dog. Neil made the best dog. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's what I tell him. And I got one white friend down there in, um, just in Beeston, Tommy Rice. Yeah. He always called me. He said, Neil, I want you to have one of my dogs. Yeah. He said, other people don't want to break my dogs. He said, but you'll break them. Yeah. And I've got three of the best buried dogs from him that any man wants to sit on. That was, I was, sitting was, that, was that Al you were talking about? No, 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 no. Okay. Sometimes I just said, which dog did I have was the best? <laughs> <laughs> right, you done had so many of them. I done had so many of them. Yeah. But if I put them all out there together, if I had all of them alive at one time. Yeah. I couldn't have been taught. It could have been a wrecking machine. It could have been a wrecking machine. Man. Sometimes, I'll show you, I don't brag on myself sometimes. But nah, I, I'm bragging for sometime you. Sometimes I touch myself on the back. <laughs> <laughs> we was, uh, we might be, sometimes we'd be on the back of the place when uh, yeah. Warren was there. Yeah. And I have four dogs left. Really? He said, uh, what you going to do? I said, I'm set them on the ground. Yeah. He said, you going to run off for one? That's oh, watch me. Right. And now back and do everything they need. I have all, at one point, I may have one point of him, one point of that, up to backing. And I come down to the singing. Yeah. And when I sang to him, I had a black horse, Midnight. Uh-huh. He was done with the herd home team. Yeah. I get him as stepping. Yeah. And when I get him stepping, I start singing to him. I know <laughs> the louder I sing, the, the faster they're going to run. Right. 
and I go down there. We'll be on the back side of the place. Yeah. And I get back to the bar thirty minutes. Just high tail. Just high, and sometimes I be so mad they be pointing. I'm trying to get home. <laughs> but you know when you done broke them, mm-hmm. you know the doubt. You can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's what it is. So you told me also some bloodlines that I, I didn't know about and stuff like that. Um, what was it, White Knight? Yeah, White Knight. I got a little White Knight bitch out there. and I got uh, Go Boy Shadow. Uh-huh. Now, that was one of the best bloodlines that I've had, Go Boy and Go Boy Shadow. Yeah. Those were some bird dogs. Really? And I enjoyed those. Now, what made them different? It just... I guess the breed. Yeah. I I got a pal in the dog with that that breed about gone out. Yeah. But uh, Charlie Chapin had a bitch named Catfish. 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 Okay. And I got several dogs off of that dog. Yeah. And those were some of the bird hunting dogs. Yeah. I had one I named MC Hammer. MC Hammer. He was a big dog. He was um, liver and white. Mm-hmm. And he he could move, he could punch some birds. Yeah, I had him on trial down in in uh, Mississippi. That dog had five signs, and at the end of the day, they said everybody think they won the trial, so bring your dog on over. Yeah, I raced back and got it. <laughs> we drove the truck over, and they called out this. Uh, third place, second place. Then they said, you know, we had a guy here that wanted to run his dog. Said his his trainer wanted to run his dog so bad, so he wouldn't even judge. What? And when he said that, I knew who it was. Yeah. They had told come me. He's um. They asked me, jurors, I said, don't do it. Yeah. I said, we gonna win this thing this year. Yeah. So he called him. Told him, no, I ain't gonna. Called the gate curtain with our trainer Neil called a hammer. Yeah, hammer. Hammer. Whenever I got hammer. by myself, I call it MC. MC. Yeah, that's a legend, man. But he he would that dog. If a bird was in the wood, yeah, on a bad day, he gonna find him. That dog. That uh, hammer. I had Big Al, and um, I had several more. Buck. Mm-hmm. No doubt if a bird were out there, you you were going to find it. And I had that one named Provo. Yeah. If he didn't find a bird, it looked like he'd start making them. Get out of here. uh, Not making them. (laughs) (laughs) Not making the bird. The uh, the guns and stuff, they had hunted with so long, Mm those dogs ain't doing nothing there. Right up there and said, Neil, put Provo down. I said, it ain't his turn yet. Yeah. Let's put him down anyway. That dog, I turn around and go over the same ground that we done hunted over. Mm-hmm. That dog pointing bird here and there. He's a street sweeper. Yeah, I mean, he he, he would clean the place. God, man. My boss man said, nah, I tell you, there wasn't no birds here when we come through yeah. here. I said, they're there now. <laughs> <laughs> but those are some dogs that... I was really proud of. Really? Okay. What? Okay. All on my train, I was proud of. But right. I knew. I mean, was, but but see, everybody talk about, oh, you get that one dog mm-hmm. per lifetime. You done had so, quite a few of them. I done, I done placed four different dogs in our club. Mm-hmm. And we First place. Yep. And I done placed three different dogs in the uh, Yankee trial. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they all were different dogs. Yeah. So I know I wasn't depending on one dog. Right, right. And I've enjoyed it. And I, when they call my name, I come up with my chest out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're supposed to, oh, man, because yeah. the oh, dog yeah. going to have a chest out when they yeah. find the bird. So now you are, and this is really what I wanted to get into, you are the president of the Georgia-Florida Shooting Dog Handlers Club. Um, and, I mean, people wrote in Garden and Gun about mm-hmm. it and photographed you guys. So just, how, did, how did you even get started with that? How did that start? Well, um... We was on a trial, on a white trial, mm-hmm. and I was uh, scouting for a white hammer, mm-hmm. and he lost his voice. He couldn't holler, and he asked me to run the dog. Right. And when I moved up to run a dog, they told him that I couldn't. Yeah. We couldn't no black person run a dog. Well, we said colored person run a dog, and they tried. Right. So he said, well, I done paid my money. I can let who I want to. Right. So they said, well, if you run him, we ain't going to look at him. So we came back in that day at lunch, and we were sitting down discussing that about, you know, this president. Right. And then we come up, we got to talking, and, you know, we can have start a trial our own. Right. So all we got to do is find some way to do it, and, how you know, we know how to do it. Right. So it was Albert Cannon, Leroy Clayton, Malachi Cater, and I and myself. Yeah. So we sat down, we started, we had a piece of paper, we started dying down what we were going to do, how we going to do it. Mm-hmm. And we come up with a name. We come up with how we going to present this to the owners and stuff and all this. So Malachi went to his people and asked them. And they told us, that, well, we'll be more than glad to host it. But what y'all need to do, everybody need to get a paper signed from East Plantation mm-hmm. that you, they are letting y'all bring your dog, horse, and stuff off the place because we don't want nobody stealing horses and dogs trying to run in there. Right. So you get this, and we'll be more glad to do it. So we got to start down, got our paperwork and stuff ready, and then we... Sent it, took it to each owners and told them what we were trying to do, this and that. Right. And they all agreed. So this was back in 80. Yeah. In 81, we had our first black trial. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It was here down there in Metcalf on Kelly Park. And they didn't think you were going to make it a year. Yeah. So I'm going to say, give them a year, they uh, messed their own self up. Wow. And now it turned out to be one of the best trials. And you can't just bring anything to it to win. Right, right. Every man is more proud of what he got. Right. And he come out to get a little piece of you. Mm-hmm. So that's the way we do it. We talk to each other. We rag each other. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to see a trial. Yeah. We hoop and holler at each other. Oh, I'm here for it. That's why I want to come well, down. You know, there. we may tell him his owner right there, hey, get that bird dog off the ground. He ain't going, <laughs> man. Put him back in the way. Right. You can't uh, look. Your dog on that land on a tree. Right. <laughs> look, you can't get too many black folk together. We all get on each other now. And It'd be like a space we, game. They, uh, we don't do that sometimes. Yeah. You know, somebody right up beside me said, mm, y'all letting them off easy. <laughs> said, I seen a time when you holler at them for going to come. But we done that. Now, Leroy Clayton was our first president. Mm-hmm. He done it for 15 years. 
Nobody wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. So when Leroy got sick, he had a stroke. He turned it over to me. Yeah. And it's been actually about 20 years or better. Yeah. We, we've been going at it, and they say every year it gets better and better. I believe in taking our young men yeah. and try to push them to come forward and do this, learn to be the hound of bird dog. It's a dying art for our black people. Oh, yeah, and, and that's what I'm here for. And if you don't take the time. Yeah. See, someone took the time and taught me. Mm -hmm. So I want to give my time back. Yeah. And the next couple of years, I've been trying to uh, put a young person in the president. Yeah. But they telling me to hold on just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. A little bit longer. So what I do on we meet, we work dog together. His several of us that go from plantation to plantation. Mm -hmm. The young guy that learning the scout. Now we are teaching them how to put hands on dogs. Mm -hmm. And it's a process that you're gonna have to work with because a lot of them, they don't want to stay on the plant. They get a job on the plantation, they work there a couple of years, and then they get a better offer, more money. Mm. And I don't fault nobody right. for more going for more money. Right. But I raised my whole family. At plantation. At a plantation. Yeah. My father raised me yeah. at a plantation. And not once I thought that I was held down. Right, right. I done. I had the opportunity to do what I wanted to, even when I was dog man over there. Those were my dogs. Right. I didn't have to run up to nobody and say, well, I need to do this and do that. One business told me when he hired me, he said, those animals are yours. Yeah. You treat them like they're yours. And I took that for Hard, you know, right. and that's a blessing. They mine. That's a blessing is that they, that he say that to you. Yeah, if I started in on a dog and run on one up there, one said, "No, you get back. You don't want to see this." Yeah. So this might be ugly. Right. And that's the way he brought it up, and I was able to do what I done because you got to stay on a dog to make him good. Mm-hmm. Can't let him. Now, can't let a him. A lot slip. of people can start a dog, mm -hmm. but they can't break a dog. You cannot, if you cannot take that dog from point one to point B, mm -hmm. you don't have a dog. You got a I like that you got to be able to finish that dog. And here's a lot of people can't finish a dog. Yeah. And it shows. Hmm. But I haven't put a dog on the ground yeah. that wasn't finished. So for the folks that don't know, what what is it that you, when you say a, a dog that's finished, what in your head tells you that that dog is done? Well, I have my secrets. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I ain't going to go there. I ain't going to go there too far. I get it. I get it. Um, no, really, um, a dog wants you train that dog. Uh-huh. You give him everything that you got in you. Okay. And then... If you don't train that dog, that dog can finish. Yeah. A finished bird dog is a dog that the lap, my lap run off the wagon. Mm-hmm. Moving so fast and knock that dog down. Mm -hmm. That dog gonna find out where he was standing and he getting back in his step. Ooh. If I drive ride off and forget that dog. He's still there. I may hear that dog howling. I asked him Scott for what the dog at? 
You know you didn't let him off. <laughs> I can't blow him off now. Yeah. Either me and that scout that go bite to him yeah. and touch him off. And that's get a finished dog. Get out of here. But that dog get lost and I don't find him that day. Yeah. I take my coat off. And I live what I let the dog off out of it. Yeah, be there the next day. And if that dog trained, when I get back next morning, that dog laying on my coat. Wow. 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 If that dog trained, is, is really trained, uh-huh. he can bike track them horses home. Yeah. So that those what your I call finished dog. Right, right. That takes that's up, work. And what when I get out there my dog point, we use the lap. The lap come off the wagon. Mm-hmm. No one holds them dog. Right where those two dogs at, mm-hmm. that's where they stays. The lap come off the wagon, it take him two minutes, five minutes to find that bird. Right. Those two dogs there when I come back. Yeah. I don't touch those dogs. And if I see somebody coming up there, I tell them, do not touch my dogs. Right. When I step on my horse, I, my dog's in front of me. Yeah. I'm on my horse. I always work my dog off on one horse. Right. They know the horse, they know me. Those dogs are standing there looking over their shoulder at me. My scout helped the guests get on their horses. Everybody get on the horse. You want to have a... Uh, Refreshment. You want to drink a Coke or eat a cookie? Do it. Right. Those dogs ain't going nowhere. Right. When they finish doing what they got to do, I hit the whistle, strike off. Right. Those dogs gone. God, what? That's the, now you asked about a finished bird dog. That, that is, is that is what we're talking about. That's polished. Finished. That, that is polished. That, that's finished, done, and then, polished. And I run eight a day, and all eight of them. Yeah, is that way. The other six or eight I got to the barn is the same way. I do not put a dog in front of guests that are going to embarrass me. Right. If he embarrass me, I embarrass him. Right. And that's the way I do it. Right. I mean, I get it. I mean, and because. And you have to understand that, or people have to understand that that's that's a career, that's a yeah, job. That, yeah. it, this got to work. Ain't no exceptions to yeah. it. Ain't no exceptions to the rule. Yeah. For instance, this year, the last hunt, the last uh, season, I got on one. Yeah. My um, guest went back and told uh, Gates that Neil got on a dog hard. Gates called me in the office. Uh, so and so said, you got on dog. I said, I ate his rump up. Yeah. I said, you know me, and you know me with my bird dog. Right. I said, now, if he come to you, I said, tell him to come back to me. I got something for him. Right. Now, now, we're going to go. <laughs> so that evening, come my right. uh, dude walked up to me. I guess I put my foot in my mouth. I said, what you mean? Uh, I'll talk to your boss about you got on a dog. Yeah. I said, I, said, I eat his ass up. Right. I said, these dogs are mine as right. long as they with me. Right. I said, you enjoy shooting over them? Yes. I said, how you think they got where they at? Because they yours. I said, they're mine. Right. I said, I don't want nothing but the best. Right. Well, I'm going to apologize. I said, you know, if you want to apologize. I said, but I tried to get your name. I said, I'm glad you come forward so I could talk to you. Right. I said, well, I train bird dogs around here. Yeah. They don't do what I said. 
I said, I swear, if I got the force, whatever I do, yeah. I said, I do it in front of your face, mm-hmm. in front of the one that owned them. And see, when they own the dog, but Gates is a little boss. Yeah. That's a cuss. It don't make me no different where I tell one of it. But that make my dog better. Right. So. And they learn to respect. I mean, it, you can't. You know, someone like you, someone that has been. I mean, it is since you're 10 years old now. Mm-hmm. What is anybody going to tell you about how to raise your dogs? And then you don't have so many of them that were, I mean, awesome dogs. It, it's what are they gonna say? Well, you know, it's someone all the way out there, always out there. Yeah, know a little bit more than you know. Right. But they don't know where you got, how you got where you at. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I let them look talk. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I have stuff to say back. Right. But as I got older, I learned to digest a lot of it. Yeah. I walk away. But boy, do they know what I said. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all a training and learning. And learning. Man, man. I mean, it's been, it, it's just been like a, like a, I'm in Wonderland right now. It's been a dream that really came true. Yeah, I see. I thought that when I left, I saw him put all this behind me. Yeah. And when I moved, I got my house and all this stuff. A, little, a lot of stuff went on with me and their owner about the house. Mm-hmm. But it, when God for you, can't nobody be against you. There you go. So I went on and on. And I got here, and you can ask me why. I went nuts. Yeah. Uh, you know, I done built a house and can't even live in it. It don't make no kind of it don't sense. don't make no sense. I yeah. ain't about those. Yeah. I said, this... You ain't finna take this from me, devil. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I come back in, I got to talk, and I said, I'm going to go back in the bird dog. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I called my son, me and him, I was talking to him one day. He said, Dad, he said, you ain't through with bird dogs, is No. I said, no, nah, son. I said, oh, I got a dream. Yeah. Dog man don't retire. I said, he said, oh, what's your dream? I said, I want to find at least a thousand acres. I said, oh. I'm, I want to do some hunts. Yeah. I done ran hunt for them for so many years, making good money mm-hmm. every day. I, we would do 15 hunts, sell 15 hunts a year for X amount of dollars. Right. Now I get me a place. I've got my own dog. I buy them for pups mm-hmm. because I wasn't able to breed. Now I'm making these dogs what I want. Mm-hmm. And you trying to start a kennel soon. I got a kennel start. Well, you got to start it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like. I'll start breeding that, later. Yeah, yeah. But my main goal right now is to find this land, finish these dogs. dogs mm-hmm. And I like to do probably two hunts a week. Okay. Okay. That that be enough to keep the old season in my bones. Right. So I got now also knocking at the door and riders already in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's some stuff that I dream. Yeah. And my son shared. He said, well, "That you want that good dream?" He's I'm behind you 100. percent Yeah. So he been a rock. I am a daughter too. I ain't gonna leave her. All. Yeah. They are first, but that. Dad, but I said, no, Dad want this. Right. And that's the way we went. So yeah. everything pushing forward. 
I done got uh, eight Ron Kim bill. I got a pastor, a stable, bond, all that bill. All I gotta do is find somebody who will lease the land to me. And it's gonna come. Well, we praying that it come. Yeah, and I mean, you keep speaking everything up. We know it's gonna happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to do this by myself. Yeah. I learned long ago put God in front, mm-hmm. and I take the tail. Absolutely. Because with me, myself. I go out there and do something and mess it up. Yeah. But when I work through the Lord, He worked through me. When it done, you can say it done. It done well. It done well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I look at it. Man, well, Mr. Neal, I don't I I don't know what else to say other than I mean, thank you and I really wanna end my podcast on that note right there because I think that's important for folks to hear. And, and folks need need some faith. Seriously. Oh, yeah. Folks yeah. need faith in it now. Um, and, you know, I got into this with just no knowledge, no history, no nothing, but with the same, you know, mentality as you, just I'm just way younger. Like, look, this is what I want to do, and we're going to make it happen. Yeah. Point blank, period. And then, you know, I, I do hope that, you know, I can continue helping you guys out and, and join and continue the, the legacy of, of bringing more black folks in that's properly training bird dogs that, that give a damn about a bird dog and got some faith in what it is that they're doing, got some faith in God, got some faith in their family. Mm-hmm. That's important. That's very important. You know, at, at the end of the day, if you don't have those, those three things in place, it's not going to work. That's right. Ain't gonna work. So, I mean, before we wrap it up, did you want to leave any of my listeners and and anything like that? Anybody else with anything before we wrap up? Well, one thing I always said, my number one thing is have faith. Yes. Whatever you do, Mm -hmm. believe. Yeah. Because if you get out there and don't have the faith, you ain't gonna go nowhere. Right. It's just like a drain of mustard seed. Right. You're either going to fall on good soil mm-hmm. or you're going to fall on bad soil. Mm-hmm. So to any young black person that I can help and they want to go into the trade, all I tell them, take the time, get with someone, if not with me, and we do a lot of training, and I'll be glad to tell them about bird dogs. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I always say a master, but I'm a bird dog man. Nah, you, you, I love it. Yeah, look now, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking it all in. Yeah, <laughs> and as I was telling you, um, we used to have this trial like the 5th of March. Okay, so I need to be saving my pennies together to come back down. Whatever you need to come, and you want to bring a crew with you, that you cameraman, all that stuff, mm-hmm. hey, come on. Okay. That's where and I'd like for you to get out there and do some of these, take some pictures. All these guys is um they're good guys. They yeah. like bird dogs like I do. Right. Well look, I wanna bring the camera down. I wanna work dogs with y'all. So okay. <laughs> I tell you, come on. But working is over when you get to that trial. Hey. You got to have the best. Hey now. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm learn some, but don't okay. let me get out there. Don't let me get out there and learn too much from me. Well, I learned long ago, Dad always tell me, teach them, yeah. but not everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it, man. Well, Neil, Mr. Neil, this is, guys, this is Neil Jr. You know, 
I'm, I'm, I keep saying it, Bird Dog, Michael Jordan, all of that. I mean, guys, if y'all didn't get anything from that podcast, I don't know what you was listening to because that right there was gold. Everything, you know, everything about that. And I got exactly what I was looking for and more from that good old four-hour trip down here from Atlanta. You know, <laughs> I, I, I just... I had to do it. I felt like I made the Mecca or something like that. So, guys, that's the end of the Gundog Notebook podcast. My mind is blown. Everything is blown. And I just want to go back out and look at some nice English pointers. So, I'm going to wrap this thing up. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. See you later.